this is Tom Fox. I would like to welcome you to a five-part conversation with K2 Intelligence Finn on defining and building effective compliance programs. This podcast series is sponsored by K2 Intelligence Finn. In this conversation, I'm joined by Michelle Goodseer. Michelle is a managing director at K2 Intelligence Finn and has 25 years of financial crime compliance experience, which includes fraud, risk management, anti-bribery and corruption, corporate security investigation, sanctions, and AML program experience working with financial services industries and the U.S. government. She is a strong compliance professional with a focus on compliance program building, operations, analytics, and business intelligence. Prior to her role, at K2 Intelligence Finn. Michelle served as Managing Director and Global Head of Anti-Bribery, Corruption and Fraud for a European Bank, where she was responsible for enterprise risk, bribery and corruption, fraud risk management, investigations, and whistleblower programs. Joining Michelle is Gail Fuller. Gail is a Vice President at K2 Intelligence Finn. Gail focuses on developing, refining, and implementing K2 Intelligence Finn's quantitative and qualitative risk rating tools. She leads engagements focused on health helping Finn's customers, jurisdictional and private clients understand their exposure to financial crimes risk and develop and implement strategies to mitigate those risks. Prior to joining K2 Intelligence, Finn, Gail spent eight years in federal government service focusing on combating illicit finance. In her most recent position at the Treasury Department, she deepened her experience in topics such as global AML, CFT standards, illicit financial topologies, global sanctions regimes, and intersection between illicit finance and national security threats. In this episode, I'm joined by Gail Fuller to discuss ongoing compliance through training. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Back for our concluding episode, I'm once again joined by Gail Fuller. Today, we take up that veiled land of the future, what's on the horizon 2021 and beyond. So, Gail, first of all, welcome back. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate you having me. Gail, we are obviously in uh, perhaps the most unusual times in our lifetimes, but uh, what do you think the regulators are thinking about now and even the next six months, uh, 12 months, 18 months, or in a couple of years down the road yeah, when it comes to compliance? No, I think that more than anything, regulators really are looking for compliance professionals to be proactive and to be creative problem solvers. Um, We need to always be thinking about meeting the regulatory requirement as being kind of the absolute bare minimum. Um, We need to be thinking about going above and beyond. And the reason I say this is because the world is always changing. I think we all realize that particularly now. Um, The environment is always changing. We need to be agile and prepared for it. Um, But also because just from a very pragmatic standpoint, when something does go wrong, having you know been prepared and being able to demonstrate that you had things in place um, can be helpful in terms of remediation and can be helpful in terms of getting the regulators on your side as well. So really demonstrating that you've been proactive and that you've been trying to solve problems gets you some, some currency in the process when you're facing, for example, an enforcement action or when, you're, when you've made a mistake. Um, I think you know one illustration of the point that I was making about regulators wanting you to be proactive and creative is a lot of the statements that have been coming out of the regulators here in the United States and out of FinCEN. You know, there have been some coming out in the wake of just the current COVID-19 crisis, really emphasizing the need to take innovative approaches to 
doing more with less and to making sure that we can meet all of our obligations despite these extraordinary circumstances, as you said, that we're all facing. And that guidance itself referenced back to a couple of other earlier guidance documents that really form a pattern that make it clear that the expectation is to be thinking about creative solutions. So a couple of those are things about innovation, um, thinking through the need to consider technologies that might be able to help us do our jobs better in the compliance world. And, you know, the, the supervisors in the United States, at least, and in several other countries have really tried to make it clear that there's a safe space to experiment with these technologies. Not everyone really feels confident taking them at their word on that, but, you know, it's, they're making it clear that they have an expectation that people are going to be trying new things. And there's also been guidance about considering ways to share the burden of compliance costs through managed services and shared compliance resources across institutions. So, you know, it's very clear to me that regulators in the U.S. expect banks to get creative and to find ways to ensure they're still doing what they need to do. Um, Of course, in the current crisis, another area where banks are expected to really be proactive is related to identifying and mitigating emerging risks and illicit finance typologies. We've heard a lot about the types of activity that bad actors might be undertaking to try to take advantage of the current situation, the crisis that's going on right now. And, you know, needing to stay on top of those and needing to remain nimble so that we can adjust to those changing threats and risks is is really critical. Gail, many compliance functions have had their funding either flat or even cut in the last few years. Now we're at a point where they may have to take uh, further cuts. Probably nothing is going to increase going forward or maybe in a, even a deep cut. What, are, uh, what would you characterize as the key things people need to know if further cuts are made? Yeah, so I think you're absolutely right to pull this out as a, a really important issue that we need to think through. And it's something that we're thinking really carefully about as we look to the best ways to really assist our partners and our clients in this, because compliance is an area that's always been asked to do more with less. And with the economic conditions that we're facing right now, we can't expect that that will change anytime soon. You know, I think the most immediate concern that that banks need to deal with is really triaging what's going on right now. Um, We're in the middle of a crisis and there might be a situation where banks are starting to face a backlog related to their compliance tasks. And this is going to strain already stressed resources at a time when boards and senior leaders are really preoccupied with things other than compliance. Sometimes they're thinking about business viability and they're thinking about market volatility and they're thinking about how many people are pursuing forbearance on their mortgages and what's that going to do to their bottom line. So, you know, there's a lot of things going on in the minds of executives and we need to make sure that we're kind of keeping them focused on compliance to a certain extent, because that's an undercurrent that needs to remain critical. Um, So in the, in the near term, again, they really need to triage and think about the priorities make it clear that they do prioritize um, compliance, even in an environment like this, and reinforce the commitment at all levels of the operation to compliance. And so communicating those priorities out is also really important. You know, some banks might need to go into what we term survival mode and really focus on the operational day-to-day tasks at hand for a period of time at the expense of maybe broader 
process level changes or remediation initiatives, but then some banks won't have that luxury. They have specific regulatory commitments or they have monitors in place. So, you know, banks should be thinking about how they can face some of these challenges by dealing with the geographic distribution of their teams and dealing with strategic technologies and thinking how they can do more with less. Let me pick up on that last point because I'd, uh, I'd like to end with really a discussion, uh, not so much doom and gloom, but actually there are some things that compliance professionals can do. And they can do it at times of economic dislocation. They can do it at times of budgetary constraints or actually budgetary reduction. So I was wondering, Gail, if I might be able to end with some of your thoughts on what compliance practitioners can do uh, literally right now in the current economic situation we're in to actually enhance their compliance program. Yeah, I I have a tendency towards doom and gloom, so I apologize if the last round was kind of like that. But, you know, I think some of the, the key themes we've been talking about throughout this series are really the important things that compliance officers can do. And, and you're right to say that they can be happening in good times and bad. It's it, They're not, the themes that we're picking up on are not necessarily unique to this crisis, but they're things that are sort of accelerating and coming to the forefront even more, even though they're things we've been talking about for a long time. And I think one of them is, is the prioritization, setting clear priorities and triaging what needs to get done, knowing that regulatory and legal obligations are always going to come first. Uh, the second probably is around personnel, really thinking through how to leverage global teams, how to maybe disperse your compliance function to lower cost locales or to explore resource sharing or outsourcing, partial outsourcing, total outsourcing, really thinking through different ways from a personnel perspective that you can get the most out of your resources. Again, this is a really longstanding trend that we've seen a lot of, um, but it's really coming to the forefront with this current crisis because, for example, a lot of large financial institutions that had personnel concentrated in New York, which has obviously been hit very hard by this current crisis, are really taking a close look at how much of their compliance function they want to concentrate in any single metropolitan area, but uh, particularly one that's as expensive as New York. And a lot of banks that are facing a backlog simply need help kind of digging out to keep things running, uh, to keep the trains running on time, to keep adjudicating those alerts, escalating, clearing, investigating, and filing SARS. Um, And then the last one that I want to highlight is, is technology. And it's a little bit counterintuitive to talk about, you know, we need to think about making technology investments right now because we're talking about this in a resource-constrained environment. But it's really key to long-term viability. Um, An investment now can really pay dividends in the future. And so what we're talking about when we think about technologies are some of those that can really target critical pain points in the system that are creating resource inefficiencies. So the volume, for example, of false positive alerts in transaction monitoring systems or in sanctions-related screening name matches, looking for ways to employ different types of technology, including artificial intelligence, machine learning, those buzzwords that we all love, um, to really increase the efficiencies within the system. So we know that regulators' high expectations and the sort of cumbersome model validation process can make deploying new technology solutions time and resource intensive, but that just means that now is the time to get started. Because if you're going to have to run, for example, a pilot program, which we've got several of going right now with our partners, if you're going to have to run it in parallel with your current compliance system for a little while to be able to really prove the efficacy and achieve that efficiency, then 
now is the time to get started and think seriously about it. Again, I know it's counterintuitive, but the technology is really kind of a key to pursuing the efficiencies that we need to do more with less. Well, Gail, uh, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this final episode, and unfortunately, we're at our final episode, but I wanted to thank you and your colleague, uh, Michelle Goodsir, and I greatly look forward to continuing this conversation Great with time. you. Great time. I do as well. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this five-part series looking at compliance programs with Michelle Goodsir and Gail Fuller from K2 Intelligence Fin. I've linked to several resources from K2 Intelligence in the show notes, so check those out. This five-part podcast series was a special production of the Compliance Podcast Network sponsored by K2 Intelligence Fin.